Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. Can I be transparent? Have you ever had a week that has uh, been so mm, physically and emotionally draining that you couldn't hardly think about the next day? This has been an unusually physically emotionally draining week uh, for me personally. And then we had go and do on top of that. Uh, My mama used to say when I was a boy after a long day of working in the yard in the hot Houston summer that I would come inside and say, I tired, mommy. I tired. And I felt like that this morning. I almost called and said, I tired, mommy. I tired. I think she may be watching online so she can uh, identify. But after that week, which is already intensive, and then uh, with go and do, uh, yesterday as I traveled around, uh, it started picking me up. I got a new, renewed vigor for the journey. And seeing all of you today in worship, that's what worship does for me. It, it edifies me. And as down as I was is as up as I am now. Amen. Uh, Thank you for being the body of Christ. Before I start, let me um, alert you that in three weeks, we want to take up a special offering to replenish our um, disaster relief fund. Restoration Hope Disaster Relief uh, is something that we have been involved in at Hope for many, many years, helping those who've been devastated and displaced by natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, floods, etc., etc. Well, our fund has been depleted because of the work we've been doing over the last two or three years, uh, much of which you are not familiar with. And so in three weeks, I want to uh, challenge us to give so we can replenish that fund because we're right in that season of hurricanes and tornadoes, et cetera, and people will need help. We want to continue doing what we've always done. This is over and above what you normally give. We've calculated that if every given unit would give $30 in addition to what they normally give, we will be just fine. So pray about that. Some of you can give more, as I'm being blessed to do. Some of you can give less, uh, but do what you can. We'll ask for that offering in three weeks. It is the Restoration Hope 
Disaster Relief Fund. Now, we're going to be focusing on the second wave. We've said before the first wave is emergency shelter, food, clothing. That's necessary. But a lot of people are involved in that. We'll, we will allocate maybe 10 to 20% of our funds for that. But the second wave is where you don't get a whole lot of people. The second wave is actually returning people back into their homes. And so we're going to use 80 to 90% of that to return people back to a structurally safe home. Um, and after 30 or 40 days, people sort of disappear. We want to be on that second wave where we are there to help them get back into their homes. Amen? As we continue our series on little books uh, that make big statements, um, I want to draw your attention to the littlest gospel, the littlest gospel of Mark. It's a huge message, and it is one message continuously throughout, and that's service. Jesus Christ is presented as the God-man who serves. And so I just want to talk a little bit about that today. This littlest book of Mark, the gospel, the smallest of each. You have Matthew with 28 chapters, Luke with 24 chapters, John with 21 chapters. Mark only has 16. He kind of cuts through the chase and presents Jesus as this servant son of man. And I want to lift out one particular passage that he teaches his disciples in Mark chapter 10. Now, the sons of Zebedee, that is James and John, often called the sons of thunder, they came to Jesus and asked him this question. Teacher, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do something for us, whatever we ask. And Jesus indulged him and said, okay, what do you want for me to do for you? They said, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and the baptism that I am baptized with. You will also be baptized but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give. It is for those to whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones, that is their rulers, exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be the first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for the many. Isn't that interesting? 
Now, it's interesting that the disciples were not upset at James and John because they asked to be on the right and the left. They were upset because they thought that James and John might get the position instead of them. They all had that problem. They were all jockeying for position. Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, we want to be front and center. We want to be seen in all of your glory. And Jesus dismantled all of that and said, let me tell you how different I want my kingdom to be than the kingdom of this world. You know in this kingdom of the world, this Greco-Roman society that they lived in even then. Those who are in authority lord it over. They, are, they boss their people around. They are seen as number one because they tell other people what to do and if they won't do it, they force them to do it. But that's not how it's gonna be in my kingdom in my church. I'm gonna flip the script. It's gonna be just the opposite. If you want to be the greatest, then you have to be a slave of all. Wow. Now that's how different the kingdom of light is from the kingdom of darkness. That's how different the church is from the world. And that must be my mentality, my attitude. Somebody asked, why do we do go and do? Because go and do is an ocular demonstration of the gospel. It is our attempt collectively as a church to demonstrate the gospel. Because go and do is designed to glorify God and visualize the gospel so that those who know and those who do not know can be edified and brought to faith or greater faith. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, when he said that I want you to go and show the world of all your good works, but do that not to glorify yourself, but to glorify him. I want them to see your good works so that it will bring glory to God and other people will be drawn to him by what they see you do. And that's why we do what we do. It is to glorify God and visualize the gospel. And as I was touring on yesterday the various sites, I thought that, saw that happening in real time. So I wanna just talk a little bit about not just this season once a year, but what many of us do all throughout the year and why we do it. Three simple things. When Jesus said that he wants us to be the servant of all, he is using the word, a Greek word, diakonos, is where we get our word deacon, and it means service of all kinds. But he is also contrasting another Greek word for service, doulos. If you don't understand doulos and diakonos, then you won't get the impact of what Jesus is 
trying to say. So he's contrasting this word doulos, where we get the word slave from, with diakonos, where we get the word it's slave or servant from. Two things that distinguish it. Doulos, essentially, is someone who is a slave or a servant who has no will or desire of their own. No will or desire of their own. So he said, yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your what? Your servant, that's diakonos, but he's contrasting that with doulos, and whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. This person who is a slave of all. So I want to talk a little bit about what doulos really is. It is a slave, a servant, who has no will or desires of their own except that of the master. Jesus is picking up from Deuteronomy chapter 15. I want to read that passage for us, Deuteronomy chapter 15, beginning in verse 13. And I want to read it in your hearing, if I can find it. Now, this is a passage about indentured servitude. Don't think about slavery in its typical sense, like American slavery. In this context, we're talking about people who were indebted, could not pay their debt. The way they paid their debt was to go to work for that debtor, and they were to work until that debt was paid off. If that debt took longer than seven years to pay off, then Moses instructed the debtor to let the person who was in debt go. Let them go, no matter what the case may be, no matter how much they owed you, if they needed to work even longer, let them go. So the context is indentured servitude. And this is what Deuteronomy says. I'm reading the easy read version. Listen carefully. But when you let your slave go, don't send him away with nothing. You must send him uh, away with some of your animals, grain, and wine. Remember, the Lord your God blessed and gave you plenty of good things. In the same way, you must give plenty of good things to your slave, this indentured person who has worked for you for all these years to repay their debt. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord God set you free. So that is why I am giving you this command today. But, but, but one of your slaves might say to you, I will not leave you. He might say this because he loves you and your family and because he has a good life with you. Make this servant put his ear against a door and use a sharp tool to make a hole in his ear. This will show that he is your slave, your servant forever. You must do this even to the women slaves who want to stay with you. Don't regret letting your slave go free. Remember, he served you six years for half of what you would have paid a hired worker, and the Lord will bless you in everything that you do. I want you to catch that. So even when you have paid back your debt, 
And if your life with that particular family was good, and you said, I just want to work for you the rest of my life, then Moses said, mark that with an earring. Did y'all know that's what earrings were for? Mark that with an earring, because that will indicate to everybody that he or she is your servant forever. This is doulos. This is a slave who has no will of their own. They put aside their desires for that of the family or the person that they love. Jesus said, this is the kind of kingdom that I want. He's contrasting diakonos, service of all kinds, and doulos. Now, diakonos is a different nuance and a twist on this same idea of servant. Diakonos has a will. This is a person with will and desire of their own, but they will submerge those wills to their master. They have a will. They have some desires. But in the final analysis, they will submerge their own will to the desires of the master. And so Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is displaying both of these. So we as servants in the kingdom of God, we have a will. There are some things we want, we desire, but what we want greater than that is to make sure that that will is submerged into our Father's will. So on the one hand, we have no will of our own. On the other hand, we have a will, but it is submerged into the will of our master so that we do all kinds of service to please him. That's the essence of the kingdom, that service. Now we have all kinds of great examples of that, and we have some bad examples of that. Anybody ever heard of J. Paul Getty? J. Paul Getty, yes, he was one of the first billionaires in American industrial history, but he is not known for service. He is known for being stingy. That's J. Paul Getty. Uh, he was the first, uh, the youngest millionaire uh, at age 23. He was raised in a very austere home as his parents raised him very autocratically and austere. And he became very, uh, the textbooks say thrifty. Some say frugal. But he was stingy. He was stingy. Uh, and that's a negative word. Uh, he did not give much at all to charity. Not much at all. Composed or, or contrasted with some some others who've been blessed with great wealth. So early in the second half of the second century, he was the richest man in the world. Uh, about $4 billion, which is about $30 billion in today's economy, is what he had. 
he would reuse envelopes. He scratch out the original and then rewrite because he didn't want to waste paper. When he had guests in his mansion and they would make long distance calls there in southern England, he looked at the phone bill and saw how much it was, so he installed a payphone in the mansion so his guests would call, but they have to pay. I'm not making this up. He was thrifty, frugal. No, but he was stingy. You probably heard his story, a portion of it, and all the money in the world when his 17-year-old grandson was kidnapped. And the kidnappers wanted a $17 million ransom. And he refused to pay for five months. And they finally cut off his ear and sent it to him in a lock of his hair, sent it to him in the mail, and he finally conceded, but he negotiated to pay them $3 million, $2.2 million from his own and 800000 from the boy's parents, and he charged them 4% interest on the eight hundred. And he got his grandson back. That's, is that thrifty? Is that frugal? Or is that stingy? Now, I'm not picking on J. Paul as much as this, because watch this. I don't have billions of dollars, but I do have some leisure time. I'm rich in time. So before you get too critical of J. Paul Getty because he had billions of dollars and didn't want to share it, what about my time? I'm rich in time. I got 168 hours just like everybody else do, and when I get through working and sleeping and eating, I, I have some leisure time. The question is, do I use it all on myself or my family or others? How do I allocate it? How am I serving? What am I ransoming and giving? So the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And lastly, watch this, to give his life as a ransom for the many. Jesus said, that's what I want you to do. I'm not just asking you to give time. I'm asking you to give your life. I'm not just asking you to give money. I'm asking you to give your life. For the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for the many. You know, that's why we're in the kingdom today. Because he gave his life to ransom us from the slave market of sin, that's what the kingdom of heaven is designed to do, to glorify God and to visualize the gospel in service, sacrificial service to others. Some service is convenient, and that's good. Others is sacrificial. The question is, since I'm rich in time, Am I giving sacrificially in the service of others? Or do I use all of that energy 
on myself and my family. So I'm grateful for a church that will suspend weekend worship and go out in the city ransoming and showing and visualizing the gospel. Let me close with this story. As Jesus says, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many, a precious payment for somebody else's freedom. Sandra McClacken, who is a folksy gospel um, writer, tells the story before one of her songs of two boys, two brothers, who had meandered out in uh, Missouri and uh, on a beach line, but a levee had broken and um, developed uh, water and quicksand. They couldn't see it. They were just playing in the sandy beach, but they stepped in the quicksand and they could not get out. They knew enough to know that if they continued to struggle, they would go down faster. And so they waited and did as little movement as possible. The parents got concerned, of course. They didn't come back at the regular time, and they sent out rescue workers to search for them. By the time they had reached those two brothers, and they got to this area of quicksand where they were, they found the little brother. And one of the rescuers said to the little brother, where is your other brother? He said, I'm standing on his shoulders. That older brother knew that both of them couldn't survive and to hope that one would survive, hoisted his little brother on his shoulders so that he could grasp for air, maybe, and be rescued alive. Where is your other brother? I'm standing on his shoulders. He ransomed his life for the little brother. And that's what Jesus did for us. He ransomed his life for us. And how will people know it? By our service. By our service. What are we ransoming, sacrificially giving, so that others can be rescued from the slave market of sin. He ransomed his life for others. Let's pray together. And while we're praying, in person or online, I may be talking to somebody who tuned in to this worship or walked into this building without Christ, without hope, and without the assurance of eternal life. But we want you to know that Jesus Christ has gone to a hill called Calvary, and he who knew no sin became sin, that you might have the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin and shame and guilt so that you, we, might know the righteousness of God. So sitting right where you are, you can tell God the Father that I am believing in Jesus Christ. Use your own words. You can say them out loud. You can say them in your mind. 
but I'm believing in Jesus Christ and the ransom that he paid for me and eternal life, another quality of life will be yours. And we'll be here to help you. You're not alone. If you let us know that you have surrendered to him, we will help you grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, our Father, that you have contrasted what the church should be and what the world should be, what the kingdom of light should be versus the kingdom of darkness. And we thank you that we find ourselves as your servants. On the one hand, we have no will of our own. On the other hand, we do have wills, wills and desires, but when they conflict with yours, we want to submerge them to the will of the master. And we want to be servants that demonstrate, glorify you, and visualize to the world the good news of the gospel. You gave yourself as a ransom for us and help us to do it to give ourselves as a ransom for others beyond just our own families. For the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the high king of heaven, we pray and praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.